0: To make it in cannabis, first you must dare to. Twelve years ago, MJ Bizcon dared to unite the global cannabis community, igniting a movement that continues to thrive. So let's grow together this November 28th through December 1st in Las Vegas. You'll hear incredible stories, see groundbreaking innovations and forge connections you need to thrive in 2024. But wait, snag your ticket to MJ Bizcon in October. And you are eligible for the 31 days of giveaways and promotion going on right now. So hurry, get your ticket today. And here's a secret. Podcast listeners get 10% off with promo code 23POD10. That's 23POD10. Don't miss out. Get your ticket at mjbizcon.com. That's (laughs) mjbizcon.com. You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup
1: and Corey Yellen.
0: Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Ellend. When her husband went in for surgery to remove a tumor in his small intestine in December of 2013, the surgeon made a mistake. As a result, he required more surgeries and nearly died more than once. But with the use of cannabis oil... He is now tumor-free, and his health is improving. And joining us to tell their story are Lucille and Alan, who live in the Midwest of the U.S. and don't want us to give an indication of where they are, which is fine with us. Lucille and Alan, thanks for joining us.
1: You bet. Thanks for having us. Thank you
0: for having us. Take us back to the summer of 2012 when Alan's tumor was first discovered.
2: Well, um, i had just been a summer uh coaching baseball coach baseball uh here in the midwest for quite a few years and uh, we just finished up our tournament so i was lying on our couch relaxing trying to get a little bit of relaxation time and uh my daughter actually uh jumped on me at the time i think she was seven so she jumped on me and hit me in the uh the midsection i felt something that just didn't seem right seemed weird and i was already having an appointment to go see uh my uh, general practitioner, and then basically I went in and uh, I said, you know, they were treating me for something else, and uh, I said, "Hey, I, I had this little pain in my stomach and area," and I'm like, okay, well, we'll check you out. So she started feeling around and uh, didn't take her long to uh, figure out that I had there was something going on in there. She did feel a mass when she was poking around in there, so she uh, sent me to get to a um, get a scan. Then the uh, uh, kind of snowballed from there. Uh, definitely something I was not expecting.
0: Ellen, she you said that she felt a mass. Did you feel the mass prior to uh, your daughter jumping on you?
2: Well, you know, I um, I like to work out, and you know, I I was doing plenty of, of abdominal exercises at the time. So anything that might have shown looked kind of for me looked kind of just like a muscle, <laughs> I guess. So I guess I did not particularly notice anything until I felt that kind of a pain.
0: God, it must be nice to see your stomach and think it's a muscle.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, this, this was a while ago. So. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. So what happened after that?
2: Okay, well, <clears throat> after that, then uh, I had the, um, the diagnosis Uh, First, they thought it might be a lymphoma, uh, but they did go ahead and send the tissue off to uh, various places, the Mayo Clinic. They sent it out to France for some uh, genetic testing. And uh, basically, after all the tests and things that came back, they basically told us they really didn't know what it was, which was completely alarming for my wife and I, because you know, it's hard to fight something if you don't know what you're fighting. So we tried some, some things. The thing that they came back with, Uh, that they said probably was the best treatment option was to go ahead and have surgery and have it removed. Well, I did have the surgery, and I did have it removed. Because of the lack of information, we really didn't make many lifestyle changes at that time. We kind of anticipated that, well, they saw a problem, they, you know, went in, took it out, and now it's going to be gone. And very naively, (laughs) uh, that's what we believed as well. Alan, how did that surgery go for you anyway? It went fine, actually. You know, for what they were trying to do, they successfully did it. They removed what they thought was all of the the cells, and they did not uh, see a point at the time to try any other uh, treatments. So we just pretty much he said, "Come back in six months. We'll do another scan. We'll see where we're at." Well, the six months went by. I had another scan, and it had started to grow back. And then once I the, the I had the recurrence. Uh, Then they uh, suggested that I go down to more of a major city and get it checked out by a a very uh, renowned uh, regional surgeon uh, on these types of surgeries, which I did. Then I uh, went ahead and had surgery scheduled. Now, at this point in time, really hadn't considered many other treatment options, basically due to the fact that uh, they didn't know (laughs) quite how to to treat it, uh, you know, other than go in, cut it out and, uh, you know, hope for the best. So we wanted, ahead, ahead, you know, obviously with this guy had a very renowned reputation and thought we were doing the right thing. Well, come to find out that he made a mistake in my surgery. He did go ahead and, and try to remove as much of the tumors he could. And he initially told my wife he did get the tumor. And then as uh, my recovery was progressing in the hospital, uh, kind of reached a, a certain point, And then uh, I pretty much for lack of a better explanation, lost consciousness for about the next month and a half, if you can believe it. And um, I uh, um, apparently I had um, some – I'm, sure I'm going to let my wife uh, explain the rest of because I'm really not too, uh, too adept on what actually happened to me once I got to that point where the mistake was made. So, Lucille, I'm turning it over to you.
1: We hadn't um, done anything differently because we didn't know what the tumor was. At one point, they told us it was benign. So, we just continued down, but during the second surgery, as it turned out, the surgeon actually made a mistake and sewed Mark's small intestine back into itself, and basically the bile built up in his small intestine to the point it broke open the stitches and dumped into his abdominal cavity. So, Mark went into septic shock.
0: So, if, Lucille, if I could just back up here, he, he sewed the small intestine together so there was no pathway. Do I have that exactly. right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly.
1: Yep. So, you know, so at that point, obviously, there were so many acute issues. They had to go back in. They had to clean out the abdomen. They had to, you know, address so many acute issues that we kind of lost sight of the whole tumor, the whole reason for the whole surgery. You know, during this ended up being a 66 days in the hospital You know, Alan coded twice, his adrenals bled out, his kidneys shut down, his lungs collapsed. I mean, every worst-case scenario happened. And I remember at one point the surgeon did come in and tell me, the pathology on the tumor is really inconclusive. We don't really have a lot of information. We're going to try to send it up for some more testing. And I kind of went, okay, that's what happened last time. But again, we were dealing with so many acute issues you know, Alan got out of the hospital. We still, he had an open wound. He had wound bags. He had an ostomy bag. I mean, all kinds of different issues that we still, we were dealing with those and we weren't thinking the big picture about reoccurrence or what we needed to change. Then it was October, I guess, of 2013, 14, 13, 14, 14, that's right. Um, Again, a routine scan showed that the tumor had returned one more time, very close to the original location, but it was more sitting on top of the mesonary artery. And at this time, I mean, we were pretty much at a loss. We didn't know where to turn, what to do. And we had a friend who had also been battling cancer, and her husband convinced her to try CBD oil, with thc he wanted her just to sleep because the chemo made her so sick she couldn't even sleep and he's like i don't even care if you just get stoned and sleep for three days i just want you to be able to sleep and she had been having some positive results so she gave us some information steered us to some different groups of different researches and we were able to go down and get some CBD oil that had a one to one ratio, and we just kind of started it. So let's Um, just, you know, interrupt interrupt you for a
2: minute, Lucille. I just want to be really clear for listeners that this is not straight CBD. This is a one to one ratio THC to CBD.
1: Yes. And you know, the first time we went to a legal dispensary, and but we didn't know a lot about it, and it was butane extracted. And then the more I re- researched it, I'm like, oh, we need to do a better, higher quality oil. So we found an organic dispensary that was incredible, so knowledgeable, so compassionate. So we switched to an organic CBD oil that was still one-to-one ratio, that was a CO2 extraction, very clean. Um, and honestly, Alan started taking as much as he could handle.
2: The, the, uh, I will say this, when I first started... Um, probably was using a little bit too much for my body. Um, so I made me very sluggish, it made me very, you know, uh, wasn't room to have a lot of energy. Um, and that did take me a little bit of time to be able to uh, find a little bit of a balance to where and uh, timing as to when I was taking it as well um, also was crucial that I found. You know, as I got into a uh, routine, I guess you could say, it's been uh, actually a very positive experience. Right um, uh, and I, you know, at that point in time in 2014, um, I was after they found the third tumor, uh, we actually saw some decrease uh, in the actual tumor that I had after I started taking uh, the oil. So uh, that encouraged me a lot. We did some soul searching and we were we prayed on it and we decided to go ahead and get what was in there out. And so I did go back in for a third surgery. This time, researched, uh, went out to California, interviewed some doctors out there uh, at uh, UC Irvine, Uh, had talked to the Mayo Clinic extensively, MD Anderson. So I was doing my research (laughs) this time. Ironically, I I came up with a, uh, a gentleman in a city very close to us, only about 90 miles away. So. Um, very fortunate in fact we didn't have to travel around the world to uh, get the surgery I, I needed to get so uh, this gentleman was fantastic we hit it off right from the start uh, very much a, uh, no, not just a cut and turn you loose kind of guy he was uh, very compassionate uh, worked very closely with uh, radiologists, oncologists so they formed kind of like a team and they uh, did one thing that no other uh, group had done is they, they came up with a plan and Um, I was very thankful for that. He was not against me trying some alternative methods, put it that way, I guess.
1: As Alan had mentioned earlier, you know, we saw some decrease in the tumor from the CAT scan until we actually did the surgery. Had Alan not had so many problems from the surgery that went wrong, we may have just continued with the CBD oil and given it longer to work. But Alan had so many issues that had to be fixed. His gallbladder had to come out. His appendix had to come out. He still had an open wound on his abdomen that needed to be closed. So since he was going to be open anyway, it didn't make any sense not to address the tumor when the surgeon felt as though he could remove it safely. You know, if he didn't have so many other issues at the time, we, I feel like we would have gone forward with just doing the oil. But because he had to have surgery to address other issues, Obviously, we did everything we could at the same time. But since then, like Alan was saying, the doctors that we worked with, they weren't going to come out and say, try something different, but they were very much willing to listen and to encourage us to go an alternative method because they didn't have a lot of answers.
0: At any time throughout this, did anyone in the medical profession say that the tumor was malignant?
1: well they
2: depends on what your definition of malignancy is now they said that anything that is foreign that comes back is considered malignant the interesting thing about all the tumors that I have had they have been the term that they used was non evasive or non internal or something it was not inside an actual organ it was usually or it was on top of or to the side of that was the type of growth that I had
0: Okay. Now, at what point did you get the surgeon's first surgeon's mistake corrected when he sewed that, up your-
1: <laughs> That was in January of 2015.
0: Oh, so you were dealing with this for some time.
2: Oh yeah, about a year. You know, after the, the mistake in the in the surgery, uh, the recovery time was pretty extensive. I had to take almost two years off of work to address those issues. And, um, you know, uh, like Lucille said, you know, I had to get my gallbladder out. I was having all kinds of issues with that. Um, Had to be hospitalized specifically for that. I've had additional things that, that, so, like I said, the wound I I had had to be closed. So there were things that we were dealing with that weren't uh, necessarily tumor-related at that time.
0: So you went into the hospital in relatively good shape just to get this tumor out, and uh, 60, more than two months later, you came out, and quite frankly, you were a bit of a mess.
2: I was definitely. He was a
1: huge mess. That's a great way to
2: put it. Okay. Uh, Yeah, definitely, and uh, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I've just Googled stromal sarcoma, and it says that it's a malignant tumor. Right. It is a malignant tumor.
1: And that's what they ended up officially calling it, because they didn't really know what else to call it. It was a soft-cell tumor. They originally thought it was a GIST, and it wasn't. Um,
2: they thought it was lymphoma? No, yeah.
1: not That's the official diagnosis. And it, it malignant because it did return three times. Um, well, twice. Well, t- yeah, three different tumors came back twice. You know, the last – well, you know, I believe that it hasn't come back because of the changes we've made. I believe the CBD oil has been a huge – huge C- part of that.
2: CBD THC oil.
1: Correct. Yes. correct.
2: Thank you. It's re- yes, really important. How about if we call it cannabis oil? Because I think that's going to be very confusing
0: for people. Yes,
1: but cannabis oil, you're right, because it does have THC in it. And, you know, we've done the one-to-one ratio almost the whole time. And we have cleaned up our eating some, but it's not perfect by any means. But the one thing that Alan has done consistently, consistently since October of 2014 14. is take cannabis oil and he, he hasn't missed it. Um, he did do some chemotherapy but continued the cannabis oils through the chemotherapy and he has had clean scans since June of 2015.
0: And Ellen, how do you feel today?
2: I feel really good. As a matter of fact, I feel especially good because I just had a, a scan recently, about uh, three weeks ago, and uh, the oncologist came back and said everything still looks good, just exactly you know the way it should. And, uh, so I basically told him that I was going to end my chemotherapy at this time, and I was going to turn to uh, alternative natural uh, type therapies because uh, I was basically on I was on pill form, so I didn't have to go get infusions, but you know, uh, side effects from chemo. I, was, I don't have to tell you guys are not fun.
0: No. What did uh, What did he say when you you told him that you were going to go the natural route? Natural. He route.
2: actually, you know, and, and again, I don't want to to paint these guys into a negative light at all. They've been great, and they actually, he, my oncologist actually gave me the options. He said, "Okay, you can do You can do this." He said, "You can go ahead and stop." And do what you feel that you need to do. He didn't specifically say try, uh, but he, but he knew what I was on. And uh, he knew what I was doing. And he says, so you can try that route and then we'll get you re-scanned in three months. And he said, the second option was to reduce the level of uh, chemo that I was taking. And then we get scanned in four months or I could just continue what I was doing with the same dosage. And have another scan in six months. Now, I got to tell you, I I really don't like going in and get those scans. Um, It uh, definitely has an effect on my attitude and those types of things, especially about a week out when I'm a week out from the scan. Get really nervous, anxious, uh, as you probably know. And so I said, well, I'm going to go ahead and, and do the option one. I've always told myself, I don't really believe I need this and I'm not going to be on for the rest of my life, frankly. So I'm going to better, why not now? You know, now's as good a time as any. So I uh, went ahead and that's what I told him I was going to do. I said, I'll set up it, my scan in three months and then we'll get another clean scan. That's what I'm thinking. So.
0: No, I, I think you've got, a, you've got a good doctor. I want to ask your wife, Lucille, mm-hmm. when Alan was in hospital for all that time, those two months, what was going through your mind?
1: You know what? Um, <laughs> there were so many issues. I mean, I would—I was so scared that he wasn't going to make it. Like I said, you know, he—you know—he coded twice. Each time, it took him over ten minutes to revive him. Um, Can I just interrupt?
0: Know, what does coded mean?
1: His heart stopped. Okay. Yeah, he had. Well, I—I I won't say heart attacks, but his heart stopped both times, and it was just the level of sepsis running through his body. His adrenals bled out, his kidney stopped functioning so he had to be on dialysis um, but in the back of my mind when they told me you know, they still didn't know what the tumor was we were dealing with so many things I thought to myself, there's no way this tumor can come back, I mean, it, there's no way, it, it just can't happen again so when it did happen again I mean, obviously we were very devastated and honest, after all of the mistakes and all of the trauma he's been through, the thought of opening his abdomen again scared us to death and that's one of the reasons why we really went towards the cannabis oil and trying that because i thought he can't have another surgery even if he hadn't had a tumor he would have had to have surgery to close up and finish dealing with all of the issues from the mistake so you know that was going to be there but they told alan that he would always have to be on Steroids because of his adrenals, that he was going to have to be on warfarin because of blood clots. He was on so many medications, blood pressure medication, all kinds of stuff. But since doing the cannabis oil, Alan has stopped all of the medication. He's not on anything. They said that his adrenals wouldn't recover. They have. They said that his kidneys wouldn't recover. They have. So, all of these side effects from the mistake, and even though that's not originally why we started the cannabis oil, I believe that it has helped him because he's not on any medication for all of these issues other than the tumor.
0: Ellen, when you were in the hospital for that lengthy two-month period, did you think you were going to make it? (laughs) Uh,
2: Well, uh, like I said, after the, the first episode when the uh, right after the surgery, my uh, they had to go back in because the uh, bile had backed up. And break. I don't have a lot of memory. I remember that particular day, and then I really don't have a memory uh, until about three weeks later. Um, at that point in time, I developed apparently uh, they call it ICU dementia, and I didn't recognize my wife. I didn't recognize my kids. They uh uh. uh Actually, it it was I I wasn't even conscious enough to to know what was going on. And then actually, my wife didn't tell me actually what happened to me, because originally I actually thought of because of uh, the state that I was in, I had thought I was in a car accident. And that's actually what I believed that that happened to me. And then she didn't really correct. Me a whole lot until uh, afterwards, which I'm glad she didn't because if I was in the hospital and I got that kind of a news, I don't know how I would have reacted. I don't know how my body would have reacted, and so I'm actually grateful that I didn't actually find out uh, until probably you know it was weeks later uh, that I found out. So to say that I knew or didn't know what was going on, I think that to some extent, as I started to come out of my dementia. I uh, was able to transfer to a hospital closer to home and at about that time uh, that I was able to get out of the ICU and move around, my memory and things started to come back to me. Um, I don't think my short-term memory will ever be what it was. I think I did have some some damage in there from the uh, uh, coding incidents, but you know, all in all, uh, it, uh, it, it worked out there. It's working out for the best. I understand. I'm definitely on a journey. I'm not done, so I'm just going to keep going.
1: Alan woke up for the first time and he had a ventilator and he was banging on the side of the hospital bed to get my attention and I could see in his eyes, he was really confused and I gave him something to write with and he wrote on that piece of paper, am I going to die? And so I think when he first woke up from the first emergency surgery and he was ventilated, I, I believe he was questioning things at that point. Unfortunately, it wasn't long after that that the sepsis really started going through his system and then he lost consciousness again. So, when you ask if he thought he was going to make it, I think initially he was very concerned about that. And then maybe by the grace of God, he doesn't remember the next two months.
0: This started with the tumor in the small intestine. Correct. And I want you to tell the story of Alan getting um, tooth extracted, root canal.
1: Right. We had, about the same time that we started with cannabis oil, we started looking at other things, and a friend recommended a biochemist. And so we went to this biochemist and had a scan, and he looked at Alan and said, when did you have a root canal? And Alan kind of looked at me, and then he looked back at the biochemist, and he said, last fall. And he said, was there an infection in this tooth? And Alan's like, yeah, it was a, there was an infection. And the biochemist kind of shook his head and he said, you still have an infection. As he started showing us these different charts, he told us, he said, this tooth is on the same meridian as your small intestine. He said, I believe there is still an infection that is sealed in with this root canal. And he recommended that Alan have that tooth pulled. And it took us a while to actually find a dentist who was willing to pull this tooth after this root Root canal. But we did it, and it was interesting because he had the tooth extracted on a Friday. Monday morning, Alan called me and said, Hey, guess what? I think there's an infection where that tooth was. And sure enough, there was an infection that was being held in by this root canal.
0: I want to tell you an interesting story about uh, Weston A. Price, who is considered one of the world's greatest dentists in the early part of the 20th century. He was a dentist and a researcher who traveled the world to study teeth and bones. He had this woman come into his office, and uh, she was wheelchair-bound for six years, and she wanted to have her root canal tooth extracted, even though it appeared to be fine. And so she agreed, and he extracted her tooth and implanted it under the skin of a rabbit. And the rabbit amazingly developed the same crippling arthritis as the woman and died from infection 10 days later. Wow. But here's the key. The woman, who now free of the uh, toxic tooth, immediately recovered from her arthritis and could now walk without even the assistance of a cane. And Price discovered that it's mechanically impossible to sterilize a root-canaled tooth. Mm. And I think your root canal really could be the origin of a lot of your problems.
2: I, you know what? At this point in time, and it's interesting that, that you bring that up because uh, I was actually having this conversation last night uh, with a of friend, but I'm kind of to the point now where I'm done looking behind. I'm looking forward. Um, that's that's where my mindset is. You know, as I went through this thing, it was uh, kind of difficult to, to make plans because, you you know, you're always on guard, uh, always concerned about the next skin and whatnot. But I am really uh, excited about, you know, what, what the future can hold and I'm um, excited about the path that I'm on. I'm excited about uh, the changes I've made. And um, so... Tending to look backwards is kind of not my thing anymore. I'm looking forward.
0: Alan, how has your yes, the proper term is near-death experience uh, as a result of hospitalization? How has this changed your perspective of life?
2: (laughs) Um, Quite frankly, it's um, uh, I've done a a complete 180. Uh, I can def. I know I've grown in so many ways uh, spiritually, emotionally. Um, with my family. Uh I think that if you were to, to ask Lucille, I think I'm a better father now, more conscientious about the little things. Uh you know, I know oftentimes people talk about admiring a sunset or a sunrise or uh a field of flowers or things like that. But actually those things actually happen. At least they happen for me. And you do appreciate things a lot more, a lot quicker, uh, at least in my case, than I did ever before.
0: Lucille, have you noticed a change in (laughs) Alan?
1: Yes, I have. He's so much more compassionate. And our daughter has even made the comment before. She said... She said, don't tell daddy this. She goes, but I like him so much better since he got cancer because he's so much nicer. <laughs> Which, you know, it's kind of because, Aww. you know, Alan was pretty high stressed and, you know, did a lot of things. And maybe just we didn't take chance to stop and realize all the things that we have. You know, and we are very, very fortunate that we found cannabis oil but not only that but the support system involved in it
2: i would say that probably more than anything else i think the the community the culture uh those types of things it's it's one that reeks of positivity and the more you know and at that point in time i had about as much negativity as i could deal with so i was looking for some positivity and almost to a person That I've dealt with uh, in this journey with not only the cannabis oil, but I've used meditation as well. You know, changing the diet and those types of things. All these changes have just made me, I think, a better person.
0: Anything you folks like to tell listeners in conclusion?
1: Well, you know, one thing I I will tell you, and, and we've told everybody, Alan will get a clean scan and the doctor will say, Well, that's great, but there's always a but where we go in to get cannabis oil and the people are celebrating. They're like, Alan, you're rocking this. you got this buddy. You know, we pray for you. We think about you again. It's just the positive culture. And when Alan had to put chemotherapy into his body, we felt like we had to do everything we could, but the more we did it and saw the negative side effects, it's just like, is this right? And then he puts cannabis oil in his body and He sleeps, and he gets up, and he feels good, and it's just been such a positive experience. But it was scary to get started. We were literally had no idea where to turn. We were just scared. We were scared, and we were sad. And I lost my mother to cancer, and my mother did every traditional treatment. She followed everything the doctor told her to do, and she died in 18 months. Uh And when my husband was diagnosed with cancer, and... They knew what my mother's cancer was. They had no idea what Alan's was. We were scared to death. We didn't know what to do. And at least when we started joining this cannabis culture, looking into it, and just the compassion and the love that we felt, it gave us hope. And through all of this, if you have hope, that makes a world of difference.
2: That was the one thing I was going to say. But If I was to leave, anything from this broadcast would be that, Hope that you can have hope. It's okay to hope. And it's okay to look to other avenues, uh, even if, you know, the guy across from you has all these degrees and all this experience. And, you know, trust yourself. Trust what you know that you need to do for your body, even though it might not be either – accepted in your area or even legal (laughs) um but try what try and try different things try things that might work for you because one thing that i've found out is things that one person does fighting this terrible disease uh might work for them and it might not work for me and vice versa so i think having hope is probably the thing that 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 i would like to to leave you guys with
0: good to hear that you're on the road to recovery alan and uh, in a few months i want to see those six-pack abs again
2: Boy, I would too, and I know my wife would too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thanks very much for this.
2: Thank okay, you. guys. Thanks for having us. Appreciate
0: yeah, it. Lucille and Ellen, thank you so much.
1: Thank yeah. you. And thank you for all of your support and your posts and your updates. and We read them all the time. And They keep us going. Yeah, they do.
0: <laughs> Good. So, thank you. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. And there you have it, another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening, everyone.
1: You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey guys, Montal here, inviting you to check out my podcast, Let's Be Blunt with Montal, where we have candid conversations about everything cannabis. We have over 250 episodes in our library and a new show drops every single Thursday. So be sure to subscribe. And if you like what you hear, make sure you leave us a review. We'll